thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. Now, this week, Kim, Cindy, and I, we're in Machu Picchu. So just imagine, just imagine the three of us, crazy cats, trekking the Inca Trail, being amongst all of the ancient ruins and four and a half thousand feet above sea level. Now, I don't know if you know, but there's a whole world of challenge that comes with that, that we were all preparing for before we left. We have 15 of us trekking the Inca Trail, walking up tens of thousands of stairs and hanging out with camels. (laughs) You can't imagine anything more perfect. We are so excited to be in Machu Picchu and can't wait to share next year's trip with you. So if you're interested in joining us, make sure that you pop a note on our Facebook page. Now, this week, what we've got for you is more of Cindy's amazing Transform Your Health webinar series, where she shares all of the interviews, hints and tricks and tips that she's discovered over the last 12 months with some really exceptional people. And you definitely don't want to miss any of them. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and I dare say a pen and paper because you are going to want to take notes. And I'm going to see you on the other side. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, this is Cindy O'Meara from Changing Habits, and welcome to the 2014 Transform Your Life Health Webinar Series. This series is free, and I will be interviewing leading experts speaking on health and well-being every month. Last, last month, I interviewed Dr. Pam Peake, author of The Hunger Fix. And next month, I'll be interviewing Dr. Jeffrey Smith uh, and many other celebrated authors throughout the year. The purpose of this webinar series is to educate and give you more information in order to empower you to take responsibility for you and your family's health. Today, I'm very privileged to have Dr. Jack Cruz on the line. Dr. Cruz is a neurosurgeon and an all-round fascinating person to listen to. You can, listen, you can find Dr. Jack Cruz on his website, which is www.drjackcruz.com. You know, I've listened to numerous podcasts and webinars where Dr. Cruz has been interviewed, and I always find the information he gives life-changing and educational. Dr. Cruz is the CEO of Optimize Health, a place to go if you want to reverse disease. He is also a member of the American Association of Neurological Surgeons, Congress of Neurological Surgeons, and Age Management Medicine Group. You know, that's quite some resume, and I am so honored that Dr. Cruz has joined us today. So welcome, Dr. Cruz. Thank you, Cindy. I'm happy to be here. You know, I'd really love you to start with your story because, you know, the first time I ever heard your story about how you went from... Uh, intern to neurosurgeon to now being well-known um, authority in leptin reset, cold thermogenesis, and so many other things. So can you tell um, my audience um, what happened to you and, and how you changed from thinking one way and then completely flipping? Sure. Um, just so you your listeners know kind of how American medicine works, we have kind of a pyramid here. Neurosurgery is kind of on the top of the pyramid, and primary care is kind of on the bottom of the period in, in terms of both prestige and money. So that means that neurosurgeons tend to be very 
uh, arrogant and uh, ignorant and, and unaware how ignorant they really are. So I was that kind of surgeon probably until about 2003, 2004. And neurosurgery residency is quite a long time. It's about six or seven years. And in that time frame, I went from being in pretty good shape because I was an athlete when I was in college. And after coming out of residency and having, you know, a pretty good lifestyle, I wound up getting very, very heavy. And I went to one of my primary care doctors and I said, look, I need some help losing weight. And much like I'm sure your listeners heard, they told me that I should eat less and exercise more. So I did that and I gained another 30 pounds. So at this point, I was about 357 pounds at six foot two. And I was pretty upset um, on multiple levels. So I was scheduled to give a talk in Birmingham, Alabama on spine surgery. And I, as I was standing up from my chair to go to the podium, I felt a really bad pop in my right knee, and the pain was horrendous. I mean, it's the worst pain to date that I've ever had, and I had to be held to the podium to give my talk, and I couldn't even walk back to my seat once I was done. Um, and that was kind of an eye-opening thing to me, and I just, as a surgeon, I said, how could I possibly have done something this bad to my knee just by standing up? So one of the other surgeons' wives was there, and she happened to work for a biotechnology company here in the States, and she said to me, my husband said you're a pretty smart guy. She goes, but I think I know what, why this happened to you. And she goes, I'd like to send you six papers and a book uh, when you go uh, home. And I said, sure. You know, I, I'd love to know why this happened. So she sent me a FedEx package, and in the package was six uh, papers, most of them about leptin, and then she sent me a book called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, and it was written by a guy named Robin Sharma. And in the letter, she told me, I want you to read the book first before you read the papers. And then she told me what papers to read in order. So, of course, I did this. And after I read the book, you know, the book is a fable. It's not a true story. And I started to read the papers in the order, and it just dawned on me when I started to read it that, what I had read in the book, could it possibly be possible that I could do the same thing in me? And the thing that spurred my curiosity on, because if there's anything that's probably I can say really positive about myself, is that I'm probably the most curious person that I know and that I've ever met. Um, I decided I needed to know more about leptin. So I went to the medical school library in, in the city that, that I practice in, and over the next 18 months, I probably read more about leptin, more about uh, reversing disease, more about all the things that you're probably trying to teach your audience about, because I realized after reading those six papers that everything that I learned in medical school was completely ass backwards. In fact, I didn't have anything right. Um, so what did I do? I, I sat down and I started to realize actually how leptin really works. And I said, you know, there's some key factors here. I need to come up with a protocol that I could use to lose the weight by actually eating more and not exercising at all and then using another 
another protocol called cold thermogenesis to work. And, you know, this whole time this was going on while I had this torn knee meniscus, and your your listeners may be shocked to hear this. I'm a surgeon. I, I was going to get that meniscus fixed right away. And after reading all the things I read, I realized that doing surgery on myself in the condition I was in was actually the stupidest thing that I could do. So I delayed the surgery by close to a year uh, until, you know, I started putting the protocol, you know, together on me. And obviously the protocol was never used on any other patients until I used it on myself. And I would love to tell, you know, the whole world that, you know, I did this to try to, to help everybody else first. But the truth is I was trying to fix me. I was, I was the patient that I was trying to fix. So when I came up with the protocol, um, it was right around Thanksgiving time here in the States, and I invited all my family over to the uh, to our house, and I went to uh, one of the organic grocery stores here called Whole Foods, and I spent a lot of money and had everybody over. I said, look, this is the feast. This is your last feast. I said, because in one year, I'm going to be wearing a Speedo. And, of course, everybody in my family laughed except one person, which was my wife. And she didn't laugh because she knew I was up to something because she had never seen me read this much, you know, since residency. So in three months, when I put my plan in action, I dropped 77 pounds. And then uh, in 11 months, I dropped 133. After about two years, I was down 157. I got to 200 pounds. Um, and that was, you know, close to 10 years ago. Now, right now, I'm probably around 220 pounds. My weight has not fluctuated more than 10 or 15 pounds. And the reason why right now I'm a little bit heavier than normal is because I'm actually currently doing a biohack uh, on on seeing if, uh, if I can make myself hypoxic, uh, that it somehow will improve leptin. And there's reasons for that. Um, I'm pretty famous for biohacking my own health because you you need to understand how things work on yourself. The biggest mistake people make is they look to their left or look to their right or look to their family and think if they did it, well, it should work for me. The one thing I've learned about this whole process is the left and receptor in your brain is actually an N equals one situation, meaning that your conditions of existence, how you live, the choices you make, the decisions you make, the zip code you live in is actually the most important factor in the type of protocol that you need to employ. Um, And that's kind of how it all started. And when I started dropping weight like crazy, of course, all the doctors in the hospital wanted to know if I had gastric bypass surgery. And I said, well, guys, I've been operating constantly. Uh, when do I have time to have surgery? And they were like, yeah, that's true. And then some of my patients noticed how well I was doing. And they said, well, can you do it on me? And I said, well, sure, I'll make a handout. You know, And I gave them a handout, and they started doing it, and they started doing well. So finally, one of the gastroenterologists in our, our hospital he he had sent me about six months earlier a uh, a patient with type two diabetes who had a lot of problems. And he said, "Look, I, I want to see if you can help her." So I said, "Okay, is she ready and willing?" And he said, "Yeah." And I sent him I sent her back to him six months later. She was fifty five pounds down, and she no longer 
had a hemoglobin A1C that was, you know, over 8. She was around 5.2, and she was one of the happiest ladies you could ever imagine. And he said to me at that time, he said, Jack, he goes, you can't wait to write a book. You need to put this stuff on the Internet so people can take advantage of it. And I was like, you know, I, prior to that time, I was not an Internet guy. I really didn't like computers. I don't even like TV. So him making that suggestion to me was kind of a, it was a shocker to me. But he kept on me about it, and I said, you know, it's probably not a bad idea because it kind of works. And, you know, the other part of the story, uh, I did, we have this thing here in the States called uh, TED Talks. I did a yeah. TED Talk about three years ago, but the second patient that I actually tried this on was my son. Because my son goes to private school, he did at that time, it was a long time ago, and he was a heavy kid too. He was 6'3", 257, and he saw me on vacation and he said, Dad, don't give me the brain surgery spiel. Just tell me the real deal, what I need to do. How much weight should I lose before I go back to school in six weeks? And I said, well, 15 and a half, if you are live tight to the best. So I think you go back 60 pounds less. I, I lied. He only lost 40, uh, 57 pounds, but he did it in six weeks. And he has not put any of the weight on. He's in college now. He's in third year at college uh, studying engineering. And then the third patient we did was my nephew, who was on the same vacation with my son that day. He was 21 years old at the time, 257 pounds. And in one year, he lost 100 pounds. He's now in the U.S. Navy. He's probably somewhere right, in, right around Australia right now in a, in a nuclear sub. Um, that's kind of how it started. Mm-hmm. It, it's such an interesting story. And, and I have to say, that lady that sent you those, um, six papers in that book was one smart lady because I I learned so much from from you, Dr. Cruz, um, and I'd hate to think if she hadn't given that to you. I, I guess eventually you would have got here, um, but it was just wonderful that she um, she gave you those. You you also have brought up a lot of terminology, um, and I would like to start with a bit of that terminology. Um, so one of the things that you t- brought up was something called leptin. So would you explain what is leptin? Why is it it's such an important hormone in the body? What's the evolution of leptin in in terms of our biochemistry, um, in terms of the way we live now versus the way we used to live and how important it was um, for our survival? Could you explain leptin to everybody? Sure. Um, I'm going to start with a really simple thing for everybody to understand. When you listen to this, I want you to close your eyes for a minute and think about a tree and think about yourself. What do you both have in common? You're both alive. But what's the main difference? See, a tree is planted into the ground 100% of the time, and its canopy is up in the sun 100% of the time. So that means it's constantly connected to the Earth's magnetic field, and the leaves on the tree are constantly connected to the sun. That tree since it's always connected, only needs sunlight and water to grow. It doesn't need fat. And the reason why it doesn't need fat, the reason why trees never evolve fat, is because it's connected to Mother Earth 100% of the time. Now, you, on the other hand, are an animal. You've got four extremities. You're designed to move across the Earth. 
So you're not connected to the ground all the time. You're not connected to the sun all the time. So evolution decided to give you a backup system. What is that backup system? It's called fat. And what controls fat mass in all animals that's been tested to date is the hormone leptin. And that's what makes that hormone. It's probably the most misunderstood hormone in all of medicine. Most endocrinologists, even in the States, I would say they know about it, but what they know about it is very limited. Um, what I think your listeners need to know about leptin, it is the single most important hormone in your body. So if you're a woman, it's not estrogen and progesterone. It's leptin. If you're a man, it's not testosterone. It's leptin. And here's the reason why. Leptin is the master hormone. It determines how all the other hormones work, okay, in the body. And the reason for that, it's directly tied to the circadian signaling in the environment. So if you go back to remember the tree that we talked about, when I say circadian biology, what does that mean? It means that tree is paying attention to the Earth's magnetic field where it is. It's paying attention to how much light is present in the day, and it's also paying attention to how powerful that light is. And the amount of energy that's in that light is something that's called photon, okay? The mm -hmm. photon of light is carried in visible light, and, and the process of that is called uh, the photoelectric effect. And most of you probably know that plants use sunlight and water to make energy. That's all it uses through a process called photosynthesis. Well, what do we do as animals? We use water, magnetism, and sunlight, but we add in food. And through our process, we do exactly the same thing that a tree does. We just do it a little bit differently because we are designed to move across the earth instead of being completely connected to it 100% of the time. And that's the real reason we evolved leptin, so that it gave us more complexity so life could do different things. Now, what leptin does specifically in us, not only does it control our fat mass, but people are pretty shocked to find out that it also controls fecundity and, it, and oocyte selection. What does that mean? That means it controls your fertility. It means that it is the hormone that selects the egg from a woman's ovary that she ovulates every day. And why is that important? Because the receptor in the brain where leptin acts actually is an electron counter. It actually is counting the electrons and counting the power in those electrons from the sun and the ground. Um, and then it goes to a woman's ovary to select the appropriate egg that should be fertilized. Wow. Um, and all of this has been worked out. It's, it's a very amazing process because mm. it's always confounded doctors why women, when they're born, are born with four to six million eggs in them, but through her whole life, she's only going to have 400 periods. And the reason for that is those four to six million eggs contain the epigenetic programs, meaning the programs that our species has faced for a really long time, and we self-select out the one that best matches the current environment 
that your brain is sensing. That is how powerful this hormone is. It's like I, this just blows me away. Like I, I, you know, I did anthropology through school, and I, and I understood all of the, the the cultural things and the foods that we ate, but never had I heard um, that this is what's happening in our body. Our body is so magnificent. You know, it has this amazing intelligence. So we have in Australia infertility rates uh, that are skyrocketing. Like on every billboard behind every bus, it's trying to have a baby, doesn't, isn't working, do IVF. So we obviously have a problem with our leptin. So can we talk about what is the problem we have with leptin and what has caused it? So, you know, the difference between leptin resistance versus leptin sensitivity and then this may help, you know, women again become fertile and men. I guess it's it's a two way street, there, isn't it? Yeah, um, that's Cindy. I have to tell you, that's a loaded question um, <laughs> because you probably know that I could probably talk about the real effect. The real effect, people in Australia. You know, I told you before we came on this call that one of my forum members came up and met me this weekend from Australia, because I have a lot of people that follow me down there, and Australia has a very specific problem, uh, and it's related um, basically to the donut hole that's present down there. It allows a lot more of the sun's higher energy photons to get through, and this causes basically a circadian mismatch. And what that mismatch... Just quickly what the donut hole is. Because yeah, what, what the donut hole is, it's, it's, it's basically a hole that's been created in the upper atmosphere off of Australia's coast. It's not actually over Australia. It's, it's actually more over Antarctica and over the, the oceans down there. But what it basically does, it's occurred because of some pretty slick chemistry between halogens and uh, ozone. And basically what happens is strong sunlight has destroyed the ozone protection in that area. And it's, it's, it, it tends to get worse and better over a period of time. If you know anything about how climate works, when you have higher energy photons from the sun getting in, they cause massive problems with ozone in the atmosphere. So that means that you guys get more natural radiation. When you get more natural radiation in, this is not only the reason why people are leptin resistant in Australia, but you also have the highest obesity rates. You also have the fastest climbing autoimmune conditions mm -hmm. in the world. You know, we think in the States we have it bad, but looking at the data in Australia, it's absolutely shocking. And here's the other thing you have in Australia that I've been tracking. Um, the Great Barrier Reef is 50% dead over the last 30 years. And the real reason everybody in Australia needs to pay attention because whatever happens to that reef is going to happen on land. And the effect down in Australia is directly tied to what's going on in the atmosphere because when the atmosphere allows higher energy in from the sun, it ruins the water chemistry down where you guys are. So the water that forms in clouds and rains down upon you and you guys collect and drink, uh, is not is not able to carry as much energy 
as, say, the same rain that falls on me here in the Gulf of Mexico. So the solution to really help you guys is that I think your country needs to start doing what a lot of the countries in the Middle East do, where they take seawater, desalinate it, and then turn it into reverse osmosis water. And you guys need to continually drink as much reverse osmosis water as possible. Let me explain to you why. Because I know this is getting a little complicated, but you opened this can of worms, Cindy. Um, All life anywhere in the universe, um, according to NASA, comes down to three things. It comes down to the photoelectric effect, magnetism, and water chemistry. Now, if you don't believe that, on this planet we have all three. Tonight, in Australia, I want you to go outside and look for that little red disc. It's called Mars. Mars has light. Mars has frozen water at the polar caps, but it has no magnetic field. It's a dead red desert. Very, very similar to what you guys have in the middle of your country. Okay? So you need to realize that this magnetic field thing, one of those things is a big deal. What's being assaulted on our entire planet? It's both the, medic, the magnetic field and the water. I explained to you what the water problem is specifically for Australia. Your water problem is worse than ours here in the States. But, see, we do something else that's pretty bad. Here in the States, most people put fluoride in the water. What I didn't tell you in the story, you know, down in Australia, is all this crazy chemistry that goes on with these high-energy photons from the sun, it uses chloride uh, to, to cause this problem. And it, it all is about halogens, which are a special group of elements that are on the periodic table. And it turns out that when you put halogens with water, bad things happen. Well, here in the States, fluoride is our big problem because we have a national policy where we put it in the water supply because it's supposed to be good for taking care of tooth decay, which is also total baloney. Uh, and, and you guys may not know this, but I'm all, I also happen to be an oral surgeon or a dentist before I was a neurosurgeon. So I can tell you that's not true. Um, and then in 1971 in our country, our federal government decided to add bromine, which is another halogen, to anything that has flour. So that means all the grains in our country, uh, since we are the main exporter of grains to the world, has bromine in it. So if you have bromine or fluoride, in your system at all, whether it be in your water, your food, or anything else, what does it do to water? It decreases the amount of energy water can carry. You know, and a lot of people are really surprised to hear that actually water carries energy. But I want you to think back when I asked you to close your eyes earlier. What did I tell you about the tree? What does the tree get all its nutrients from? Sunlight and water. So if you think about what I just told you guys, that the water in Australia has less energy. So what does that mean? That means trees down there don't do so well. Mm-hmm. They don't grow as good as they used to. So that means photosynthesis in the southern hemisphere is inferior. What's the, what's the waste product of photosynthesis? Oxygen. oxygen. What do you guys use? All animals use oxygen. oxygen. So we use their waste product. Everything in biology is coupled, Okay. So when you begin to realize what this effect is, you basically down there are living a more hypoxic environment. Well, since your atmosphere 
climate is directly tied to your ocean health, this is the reason why I want every single person in Australia to begin to look at the Great Barrier Reef as your signal of how things are happening. And I also would tell you to keep your eye on amphibians. And why do you want to watch amphibians as a marker to why you guys are getting sick? Remember that amphibians, like frogs, they breathe through their skin. So that means they breathe in the water and they can breathe on the land. And if you're following what I'm basically telling you, the worse the situation gets, the biggest effect is going to be found in both marine mammals and fish and amphibians, and humans are going to face it too because we're designed to eat the type of mammals that have a lot of these electrons and photons from the sun in them. That's what your brain is designed to do. And, and what does leptin ultimately do in the brain? What's its main function? And I promise you, this is where it gets simple. All, electron, all, all leptin does is an electron and photon counter. It's an accountant. It is keeping score. And why does it work that way? Because in the summertime, in like um, January, down in your guy's place, photons have a lot of power. You know when you go to the beach, it's really hot. You can get up to 42 degrees Celsius down there. Well, in the wintertime, the sun is still out, but the power of the sun is less. Well, guess what? Your brain pays attention to that. Hmm. Uh, and that's where circadian biology comes in. And believe it or not, that information and that energy that's stored in the photons and the electrons, both from the sun and the magnetic field, guess where that data gets transmitted to? The things inside your cell that are the power pack. And the name of those things is called mitochondria, okay? Mm -hmm. Mitochondria is where we all make energy. That's what all animals make their energy from. So if you deliver poor energy and poor information from your environment to your battery, that's the reason why you become infertile. That's the reason you get Hashimoto's disease. That's the reason you get fatter. That's the reason you get type 2 diabetes. In fact, Cindy, you name any single disease that you want to talk about, and I can tell you exactly how you need to think about it. It's, a, it's basically an electron steel syndrome. You are losing electrons from your battery power pack called the mitochondria. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure that everybody will just be reeling um, at this. And, and I think what I'd love you to um, talk about is what's the, the way we counteract this? So we talked about having reverse osmosis in our water, and we have the same problem as America with the fluoride and the chloride and the bromide. Bromide now is in a lot of our dairy because instead of using iodine, they're using bromide to clean out... Um, clean the teats of the of the cows as well as cleaning out all the um, equipment that they use. So how do we counteract um, all of these things that are happening? Uh, like I know you talk about, um, well, we talked about water, but what about other things? How do we counteract these things? Well, for Australians, the, the, the story for you guys is a lot different than the people that I talk to up in our neck of the woods. Because you have a, a more serious problem than we have, 
uh, Australia is the, the country that is really under attack. And it's under attack because of the donut hole. We don't have a donut hole in the Northern Hemisphere. Mm. So water is the big issue. And I'm, I, the reason why I want everybody here to be down there to hear this is you really need to fix that, I think, first and foremost. Then the other thing, um, because the story of health reversals is all about collecting electrons. And I, I really want you guys to think about this because I, I don't know how sophisticated some of you are, but, you know, most humans, most of us, think about food like fats, proteins, and carbohydrates. But let me, let me tell you a little story why I'd never want you to think that way anymore. See, if you, if you, open, up, yeah, if you open up a biochemistry book, and you don't, have to, you don't have to be intimidated by the biochemistry. Uh, I have a saying, and it'll be good here. You don't have to uh, speak Chinese to like Chinese food. It's the same thing with science. You don't need to know everything. You just need to understand concepts. See, on your mitochondria, where energy is made, they don't have transporters called protein transporters. They don't have transporters called fat transporters. They don't have transporters called, you know, lipid uh, transporters. You know what it's called? It's called the electron chain transport. So what I need you guys to start to realize is that all your food is an electron. Now, electrons differ in just two main aspects, power and uh, energy, or I should say energy and information. And what that energy and information is about is about the seasons that you're in. So, you know, down in Australia, certain things grow at certain times of the seasons and certain times don't. So what you really need to realize is that you need to eat seasonally. If you eat out of season, you're breaking the rules of the leptin receptor. In other words, it can't appropriately count. Now, I want you to think about why that's important. I want you to think about your car. If you got in your car and your gas gauge was broken and you drove around all around Australia, and you knew it was broken, what would you do? You would go fill up with gas, probably when you didn't need to, so that you wouldn't run out of gas. Well, that's exactly what happens when your leptin receptor can't count electrons. And that's why people continue to eat, because they have no idea how much gas is in their tank. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's how it really works, simplistically. But, see, you're never going to get that idea when you think about food in terms of, prote uh, in terms of proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. So what are the types of foods that are electron-dense? Because if you live in Australia, got some news for you. You need to eat a lot of electron-dense foods because your environment is stealing from you faster than you can put it in. And to give you another analogy so you understand the point, I want you to think you have about a big flower pot and in that flower pot, say, a nice little plant, uh, and you're pouring water and vitamin D and all the good food that Cindy's telling you to eat, but on the bottom of your flower pot, you have 19 holes. And everything you put in goes right through. Do you think your plant's going to grow? No. Do you think the smart thing to do is keep pouring more stuff in or maybe plug some of the holes on the bottom before you pour stuff in? And see, that's the problem you guys face in Australia. That's the reason why all your diseases 
are headed up. That's the reason why melanoma is exploding down under. And I got news for you. It's not the sun. Sun's not the problem. It's the fact that you guys can't capture the electrons and the photons from sun because the mechanisms in your body have been broken. In other words, your mitochondria can't keep those electrons in you to do the things that they do. So how do you fix that problem? Basically, you overwhelm the system with electrons. So how do you do that? Reverse osmosis water is the best way for you guys. The second best way is to eat a high-fat, moderate-protein, very low-carbohydrate diet. We call that in the States here a ketogenic diet. People in Europe call it a high-fat, low-carb diet. I don't know what you all call it down there, but whatever you call it, just do it. It's as simple as that. And especially in Australia, this is really key. You need to eat a lot of things from the marine food chain. Why is that? I just got finished talking to you guys for 15 minutes about how important water is. What is Australia? It's an island. And what's it surrounded by? Water. And what is water filled with? Electrons. Okay? So that means things that live in the water are surrounded constantly by electrons. That means that the tissues in them are electron-dense. What are the things that are most electron-dense? Turns out it actually is filter feeders like oysters. So if you want to know the major food that Dr. Cruz ate when he lost all his weight, it would be oysters. Wow. Uh, and crustaceans would be on there, yep. uh, clams, mussels, things like that. In fact, I have a famous saying on my site that even farm-raised seafood is better than grass-fed meat. And, of course, that I make a lot of enemies when I say that in the paleo community, but I'm going to tell you guys why right now because we've talked about electrons a lot. Why, why else is seafood really important for you getting better? See, seafood has a chemical in it that you've probably heard of from Cindy called DHA. It's basically fish oil, okay? And fish oil has this very special chemistry to it, atomic chemistry, where it's very, very sticky for electrons. So the more of it you take into your body, that means the more you can capture electrons and photons from the sun. And here's the real problem. In Australia, why melanoma is exploding? Most of the people down there don't have enough of that chemical in their cell membranes everywhere in their body, but they really don't have it in their brains. And that's the reason why they're having a problem, because you cannot capture the energy or the information from the sun to deliver them to your mitochondria and your liver. So basically what I'm telling you is you're a giant short circuit. You know, and that was the analogy I gave you before about the plant leaking all the water down through the bottom. So instead of you guys focusing in on all the good things putting in, you really need to focus in on plugging the holes. So what's another way for you to get free electrons? Well, I want you to think back to the tree. What did I tell you about the tree that's special it's plugged into the ground 100% of the time. So we're not designed to do that. So you, I'm, I'm not trying to tell all of you down under to 
stick your feet 100% in the ground, uh, obviously you got to live your life. But what I am telling you to do is take your shoes off and walk in the grass as much as you can. Do I think you need to hunt some trees? Yes. And if you live on the coast, number one thing for you to do is to walk with your feet in the water at the beach's edge. Why would I tell you to do that? Because water conducts electricity best, and the Earth's magnetic field gives you electrons for free right for your feet. The current is very low, but when you have a short circuit, anything free is your prescription for reversing the disease or getting thinner. That's what you need to focus in on. What about a swim as well? What, you know, what, oh, well, does that do Cindy, you know, as swimming, well? swimming is awesome, mm-hmm. and swimming in cold water is the best. And if you want me to tell you why cold is part of this whole leptin prescription, this one will be very easy to describe, Cindy. So you'll, shoot, you'll be happy. There will be no big words on this one. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you guys down in Australia see American TV, but we have this TV show up here um, called uh, the, the Great Catch, and it's on one of these science channels. Basically, these crazy guys go up to the Bering Sea. So that would be equivalent to your southern ocean. And they harvest these Alaskan king crabs, and these things are like the size of your the hood on your car. They're huge. Now, where I live, down in the Gulf of Mexico... It's close to the tropics. We are famous for having crabs, too, but our crabs are really small. So does anybody want to venture a guess why Alaskan king crabs are 100 times the size of the crabs in, than they are in the Gulf of Mexico? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Cold water carries more electrons in it, and those electrons are what drive the growth of those, those crabs. The crabs down on the Gulf are in warm water, and it, and it does not have the same effect. And the reason behind that will hurt your head, so I'm not going to get into that. But it's directly tied to Einstein's a famous equation that all of you probably heard of, E equals MC squared. And basically, warm water has a higher mass than cold water does. Cold water has a lower mass. So if you're a fat, uh, type 2 diabetic, you need to embrace your polar bear. So my famous saying on my site, when everybody used to ask me before I had a website, how did I lose all my weight? This was my saying. I ate like a great white shark, and I lived like a polar bear. And I think people in Australia can appreciate the great white shark thing because you have far more of them down there than we have up here. Um and they eat nothing but fat and protein. They also happen to like to swim in cold water, so they do fit the model. But, you know, polar bears up here are kind of pretty famous, so that's why I used it. But the point I want to make to you guys is that a ketogenic diet and cold is the prescription for you fixing your leptin problem. And the, the part of the fats that you need to eat, you must make sure it's loaded with the marine seafood chain because guess what? You need the DHA to be the catcher's mitt to catch those electrons for free. It makes no sense for you to go out in the sun or out doing grounding and holding trees if you're not eating seafood because guess what? You have to be able to collect the electrons and you have to be able to catch them. 
So if you just do one and not the other, when you live in a place where you have a constant short circuit, we have a saying here in the States. That's called pissing in the wind. You don't want to do that. <laughs> you have a wonderful sense of humor. Um, just for the people who don't live on the ocean, um, what about, uh, like, what would they do? Like, fill a bath with ice that has um, Epsom salts in it? Would that be something that they would do yeah. um, to get that? Well, yeah. I, would t- I, would, I would tell them, Cindy, to read my cold thermogenesis protocol. You can okay. uh, just go to my site at jackcruise.com and just go to Google. Put my name in and then put cold thermogenesis protocol. And it'll pop up. It's very easy to do. It's six steps. I teach people how to do it in their bathtub at home. But you don't actually start in the bathtub. You actually start just with your face, by dipping your face in cold water, because this is where the neurosurgery comes in. There's a thing in all mammals called the mammalian dive reflex. And basically, in two weeks, I can train any mammal uh, to tolerate the cold by basically giving the brain the signal that the weather has changed. And how do we notice weather change fastest? when we stimulate cold on our face through a cranial nerve called the trigeminal nerve. And most of your listeners probably do know that in our evolutionary past, we were designed to have babies in the water. And the reason why we all have a mammalian dive reflex, so when the baby comes out, born in the water, as soon as the water hits its face and it's colder temperature, the baby knows not to take a breath in, and it swims to the surface, more buoyant because it's all subcutaneous fat. When it gets to the surface, that's when it takes its breath. And that dive reflex was built into us. Every single mammal on this planet has that reflex, including us. So we take advantage of that in the cold thermogenesis protocol. I want to tell you, since I I read your cold thermogenesis protocol, I want to see how cold I can get um, in oceans. So I live um, on the Sunshine Coast where our temperature, like I swam this morning, it was 23 degrees Celsius. But down in Victoria, um, I was swimming in 16 degrees, and um, which I think is the temperature that you um, say is a really good temperature to be at. But I tell you, it's hard to stay in at that temperature. <laughs> All right. Now, Cindy, I'm going to teach you something. You're going to like this because I just told you Audrey from Australia came up. Yeah. Um, and she was with me for three days. We We... We had a big discussion with doctors yesterday because I was I was talking to doctors who wanted to learn about this stuff. Now, I want all of your listeners to close your eyes again. Now you're watching the Discovery Channel and you see the penguins down in Antarctica and they dive in the water. And you know about the polar bears up on the other end. They dive in the water, yet they can tolerate water that our doctors would say would kill a human. Now open your mm-hmm. eyes. What do polar bears and and penguins both have in common? They both eat nothing but the marine seafood chain. Here's the the ticket for you to remember. DHA catches electrons. That means both of those animals collect electrons. You know that the more electrons you have within your body, it repels cold temperature. That's the reason those animals can go on water and do the things they do. It's also the reason why the emperor penguin can stay in minus 140 degrees Fahrenheit down in the coldest part of this planet and live with an egg on on their feet. Wow. 
you need to realize if you are a person and you go in the water and you find it extremely cold, you know what that's a sign of, Cindy? That you've got a big problem with You got it. (laughs) It also means that your thyroid gland, the thermostat, is dialed off. How... What is hypothyroidism at its core? It's a lack of electrons. Mm. What's hyperthyroidism? You have too many electrons there. So when you go in cold water, you can actually turn your thyroid gland on if you have iodine in it. And that's the, that's the fourth part of my Australian prescription. I think everybody in Australia needs to think about that donut hole kind of like the Japanese think about Fukushima. And I think... If you're not going to eat as much seafood as you need to, because I actually think y'all need to be eating more seafood than we do up here because of your issues, but if you can't do that because you find it too expensive or this and that, um, you could add potassium iodide, you know, to your regimen, but you have to be careful. You don't want to overload your system with iodine. And the other big mistake that people make, especially here in the States, is that they they think that, Fish oil equals an oyster. Yeah. That's not true. Mm. And you have to realize that the evolutionary package that forms the human brain is all contained in seafood. All the parts you need to build a brain to catch photons and electrons are in foods. They're not in supplements. And you need to realize it. So the sicker you are, I want you to focus in on, on foods. If you want to add stuff, I'm okay with that. If you have to do it because of, you know, economic reasons, I get that too. Like if you live in, you know, the middle of your country and you can't get seafood, obviously you have to change. But this is the other point that I need to make because this is the inconvenient truth that nobody wants to hear. Your zip code is more important than your genetic code. And that is really, really shocking for people to hear but it's the truth because remember as your latitude or longitude changes anywhere on this planet that means your local environment dictates how many electrons and photons you get and and this is a key point you need to realize that's why your conditions of existence don't equal your sisters you know this is the reason why identical twins can come out of the same vagina but yet they can live in two different rooms of a house and when you check them they're two different people. They they don't they're not identical their whole life. Mm-hmm. And the point is is our epigenetics, our environment is the software in our computer. Our, and that's what determines the diseases we get and the life we live. And this concept goes completely counterintuitive to what we all believe about Darwin's evolution. But I I will tell you, since I am a detail-oriented guy, if you go back and read Darwin's original work in in 1871 uh, in in The Origin of Species, he said two things. He said, in evolution, natural selection and conditions of existence are the two main drivers of evolution. If you never picked up a book your life and you just listen to experts, they would tell you, you only hear about natural selection these days. But you know what Darwin actually said in that book? He said, of the two, conditions of existence are much more important. 
what's the translation? What's the Rosetta Stone for conditions of existence from 1871 English text to today? It's called epigenetics. Hmm. And epigenetics is your environment, okay? And you, uh, I've spent a lot of time talking with you today about making sure you guys in Australia know you have a very specific, particular set of epigenetics that the rest of the world doesn't have. And if you don't believe me, why don't you get a globe out and take a look. There's only two major land masses in the Southern Hemisphere, and they're both islands. Mm. That's the reason why you have some very weird weather. You have very unusual currents in your Southern Ocean and in the Indian Ocean up above. And this creates dramatic changes in your water chemistry. That's the reason why when we let off with this, we started to talk about water because Australians' number one problem is water. Their number two problem is not enough seafood. And the sad part is the seafood is dying around your continent. That's the reason why I told you to pay attention to the amphibians and the Great Barrier Reef. It's also the reason why seafood down where you're at is probably going to cost a whole lot more. But that's the thing that's going to get you better faster. Mm. One of the the things, you've, you've spoken about so many things, and I have so many more questions, but we're coming to the end of our hour. But one of the things I read um, last night when I was reading one of your latest blogs, um, and this was on Hashimoto's, and what really struck me, and you, you've actually mentioned it, is that um, you said taking supplements, if you make if you make it in the body and you take the supplement, you are likely to cause a collateral damage in your cells. Yes. In Australia, it just seems everybody wants to take the supplement and not eat the food, and they don't realize the you know the, how powerful food is. They think that well, taking a fish oil capsule is more powerful yeah, than eating a piece of fish. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm so glad you brought this up because I didn't think we were gonna get this complex but I think I can explain it easily because yeah. I just told you epigenetics is paramount in this whole equation. Let me tell you why you should never supplement something the body normally makes. How how the epigenetic program works in DNA and RNA? Basically, there's two parts. There's DNA methylation and histone acetylation. You don't have to remember. Just know there's two programs. Each one of the programs carries a separate charge. One has a negative charge. The other one has a positive charge. But here's the interesting thing. What controls that program is the electromagnetic radiation in our environment. That's actually what controls it. So when you take a supplement and it happens to carry a charge, it can throw off your ability to read your RNA and DNA naturally and since you guys live in an environment where you have much higher levels of both atmospheric and, uh, and ionospheric uh, EMF because of the donut hole, that's the reason you have to be really careful. And I'll tell you, my Australian people, I wrote a blog, I think it was Energy and Epigenetics 4, yep. and I talked about the donut hole just for them because guess what? I don't have to deal with this, you know, up here – uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, we have our own problem. It's called Silicon Valley, uh, but it's not nearly as bad effect on water as it, as it is in Australia. And that's why, you know, I pay, uh, it's, you guys will probably laugh when you hear this, but I pay more attention 
to what goes on in Australia than I do than what goes on in the States. And the reason why, I have learned more about all my prescriptions and my theories by following the climate in your ocean and in your atmosphere and in your public health statistics. I was absolutely floored to see some of the things because I always normally, as a doctor, I always thought America was the most ill country in, in the world. We're not even close to you guys. And I didn't realize that. Um, and that's when I became very, very interested in Australia because I knew Australia had a lesson for me to learn. And it taught me well because many of the things that I came up with in my prescriptions to get me better actually came from data that I harvested from your country. Wow. You know, we are not doing well down here. Like I was speaking with some people yesterday and they were saying that many of their town, and this is a town in Victoria, many of their 13-year-olds are on antidepressants. And I know that depression all has a part to play in leptin and inflammation and, and everything you've been talking about. And look, I just hope that um, people listening to this have figured out what they need to do. So if I can just quickly review what... I feel um, has been important. Number one, we need good quality water, reverse osmosis. And if it's desalinated, even better. We should eat seasonally. We should eat a high-fat, high-protein diet. And our diet should consist of seafood and probably mainly our crustaceans, which have our DHA to help out you know, with electron transport. Shoes off. <laughs> I like that one. Shoes off, walk yes. on the beach, walk on the grass, drag, uh, hug a few trees. Yeah, some trees, trees. <laughs> and if, if you're by the ocean, walk on the beach. Walk on the beach. Um, cold water, you know, swim uh, in cold water as much as possible. And and I I, I did get, um, I put down number seven as iodine because um, it was the one thing that you picked out. Um, and I wasn't sure whether you were talking about supplemental iodine or iodine well, that's within well, other things. Well, here's, for you guys, for you guys, I, I will never do a podcast or tell a seminar here up north and tell people to eat or put the drops under their tongue. Uh, yeah. Just so you guys know, in the States, potassium iodide is dirt cheap. You can buy almost a, a year supply for $5, five U.S. dollars. It's very, very cheap here. Yeah. But the people that use potassium iodide is anybody who has radiation sickness. And that's what and it's right now. There's a worldwide shortage because of what's going on in Fukushima. You guys probably need to worry a little bit about it because you need the iodine to protect DHA. But if you promise me you're going to eat at least four to five meals a week that have fish in them, you could probably skip the iodine because one of the things that could happen if you overwhelm your system with iodine, you could start to get hyperthyroid symptoms, especially if your doctor has you on thyroid hormones. So you do need to be careful with that. But, I don't think most people down there are going to have that problem. I think that your gas tank for iodine and seafood is so low, and the reason I'm saying that is because I'm looking at your disease statistics. Hmm. Your disease statistics tell me as a neurosurgeon that you have 19 holes in the bottom of your flower pot, and y'all need to fix that, and you need to fix it fast. And my number one advice to all of you is you talk to the people who you vote for and you get desalination plants built everywhere on your coast and you mandate you get that water because mm -hmm. to me that's the 
the first step that has to happen, uh, DHA is a huge one too, but I know that's a losing battle because the oceans around Australia have been decimated. Hmm. Well, Dr. Cruz, I'm, I'm going to have to stop now. We've, we've done our hour, but I tell you, this has just been... Um, for me, the most riveting, most interesting um, hour I've, I've, I've had in quite some time. I love listening to what you've got to say. So for people who want to know more, um, please go to Dr. Jack's um, website, which is Jack Cruz, and that's Jack, J-A-C-K, Cruz, K-R-U-S-E.com. I recommend you also get his book, The Epi Paleo Prescription, uh, you can download it right now um, off Amazon or on your Kindle um, or your iPad um, for $10 or buy his book through Amazon for $24. Look at his leptin um, protocol as well as his cold thermogenesis protocol. You might think that it's all very weird and different, but I tell you it's made the, the most amount of difference to me when I started the cold thermogenesis and starting to understand the leptin. So next month we will be talking to Dr. Jeffrey Smith. He um, is an expert on genetic modification. Thank you to everyone from around the world who has contributed to this call and been online to hear this incredible wisdom of Dr. Jack Cruz. And thank you for taking the time out of your day and night to improve your knowledge on health and well-being in order to change your life and that of your families, friends, community, state and country. We all have a part to play in this change, so be part of the ripple effect that is changing the world. We hope that you've loved this week's podcast. And if you're anything like us, we just lap up the information that Cindy shares with us. So hopefully you've just loved it. And we really want to hear from you and what you've got to say about the podcast. And also, if you're interested in joining us next year, of course, on our trip. So go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Or of course, you can also post your comments at allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. Now join us again here next week where we bring you more of Cindy's amazing webinar series right here, same time, same station on up for a chat, where we get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we just love hanging out with you on the ride. Bye, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.